When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from the Knapsack Files Studios in Studio City, California, this is The Three Things. I'm your host, Ken Knapsack. For this show... The concept is simple. I sit in front of a microphone and tell you the three things on my mind about a certain topic, a certain feeling, a certain experience. Might be bad restaurants. I think one day I'm going to do one about ice cream. But we're back. I took a little bit of a break to apologize for the fans of the three things. You are out there. Few but mighty. Uh, I took a little bit of break because of the holidays, and I actually had some time off from my job over at Screen Junkies and Screen Junkies Plus. I had uh, like two weeks off, paid for the holidays. It was a new concept to me in my life, so I kind of shut down the studios at home and uh, got out of town, spent some time with my family, went hiking on uh, Black Friday when I had been previously Um, the year before, and for the 17 previous years, working on Black Friday. And then something weird happened, which is today's topic. This is the three things I learned by not working. I'm going to try to be positive. I'm going to try not to be dark and melodramatic or or self-righteous and preachy. I'm just going to try to take you on this little adventure I, I had when I was not working. It's the first time, like I said, in 17 years that I didn't have a day job uh, or a job, let's just call it a job, that kept me uh, from going home for the holidays or having time off for the holidays. Now, not everyone gets that opportunity. Uh, Sometimes you might find a career where maybe it's law enforcement, fire department, uh, emergency responder, that type of thing, military, uh, where you got to work. You got to work on the holidays. And for 17 years... I had to work on the holidays, and it was a very stressful situation working as a director of security at a mall. You can imagine. My last Black Friday, as it turns out to be my last Black Friday, I did not know at the time, I worked 31 straight hours from Thanksgiving uh, about 5 p.m. to about 10.30 or so, close to 11 p.m. the next night. It was my last Black Friday. So this year, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. I had a job that's in the industry more directly that I wanted to be in when I moved to L.A., which is a weird thing in of itself. Uh, And then I had the time off. I had nothing to do. And now even at my other job, and this is where the list starts to come in, even at my other job, I did have time off. I did take vacations, but I was never really off. For over 12 years of my 17-year career in the security industry, Uh, I was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think that's 24-7 for the cool nerds from 1995. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I was on call for 12 straight years. 
Uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm sure some other people have been there longer. Uh, and I've had harder things to do. It doesn't mean I always got calls, but there was a lot of 2 a.m. calls, 3 a.m. calls, 4 a.m., this pipe burst, 1 a.m., so-and-so won't go on his lunch break, and now we're fighting, and he won't listen to me, and I'm a supervisor. Um, or serious things, uh, bomb threats, serious high-profile arrests, heart attacks, kidnappings. I've been called out of uh, movies or social events because there was a kidnapping uh, I had to investigate, or even a rape I had to start investigating and uh, and work with local police on. Um, serious stuff for a long time. So I had this job that allowed me to take time off, and I thought, well, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. I could, I could just relax for the holidays and go spend some time with my family, and I'll spend some time. I Maybe I'll travel. I was going to go, maybe go uh, to Las Vegas and vi visit some family out there or just spend some time by myself at the Red Rock Casino or, or Gold Coast Casino for two bucks a night. It didn't matter. I was going to relax. I was going to have fun. And then something weird happened to me. I realized a lot of things by not working, and none of it particularly good. But like I said, I'm not going to be sad and depressive on this episode. This is about how you can take these things, these things that you learn about yourself, and translate it into positive momentum forward and real change. The change has not come. I'm still working on it. But here's where we're at. The three things I learned by not working. Number three, as we work our way to one, I have no identity without work, meaning I am my work. I am my work. Now, I've said this to uh, some people in private, friends of mine, and they're like, y you're crazy. You have an identity outside of work. You're such a nice guy. But, and I appreciate it. All my friends, a uh, few that are listening, I get it. We're friends. You like me. I like you. Uh, you're going to say nice things about me. I'm going to hopefully say nice things about you. But let's let's talk about reality. Let's get real. Let's get deep. For 17 plus years, I, my, my professional career, I, I say now, is at a 22-year mark. When I was 18, I started my career in radio. I had a live local TV show at 18, 19 years of age. Uh, they were, um, I, you know, I, I don't believe me. If you saw the videotapes of them, uh, those TV shows, I, I'm burying them for a reason. But I started working that. And so you, you have these pursuits and then, you know, you need a day job or you need you need to pay the bills. And I'm very much one of those people that believes in hard work and being the best at whatever you are. So I had uh, lost my job on radio. I got a job at a movie theater that didn't last long. I moved to L.A. I had a job in a movie theater making five bucks an hour cleaning out theaters which actually was one of my favorite jobs, I will say. A separate show, separate topic. So I ended up in the security industry. My, my uncle, a retired police officer, said, hey, come over here. I, growing up, had always considered a career in law enforcement. So I thought, well, this might be a good way to test those waters and uh, started that. Um, and, um, and, and I uh, thought I'd last about a year. So I was starting my training at the ground lanes. I was writing my screenplays. I said, I'll just do this job about a year, maybe two years, and then I'll be successful. 17 years later, I finally left that job. Now, that's a whole, whole other show, a whole other separate topic on that one as well. But during that whole time, you're, you're 17 years or any extended period of time where your occupation and vocation are different. 
it can affect you in weird ways. It, it can scar you in ways. And if you're not careful about it and you can't compartmentalize and you have maybe self-esteem problems or depression issues along the way, it's going to affect you. And that's what I had. So I would work my ass off at my job, and I did. I became one of the first non-police officers ever, ever to be a, a director of security at this certain uh, location for this certain company. I work very hard. I'm a first responder. I'm an emergency response plan expert. I can do all these things. Yay. Yippee for me. Um, but I'd go home from those jobs or, or leave, the, leave the facility, leave the campus, and uh, go home and then start my real work, whether it be stand-up comedy, sketch comedy, screenwriting, uh, then eventually back to podcasting and broadcasting. And I put all my energies into that. And on my days off, I'd host Jedi Alliance. I'd produce the Schmoes No Show. I'd, uh, I'd write my news for the Schmoes. I'd go back to writing. I was writing a book for a while. Back, got back into stand-up comedy. Sorry, my Hall's bag fell on me. I'm not going to edit that out because I don't like to edit stuff out. Not because I'm lazy. Because I believe in broadcasting live to tape. Why am I talking about that? So that was going on for 17 years. I didn't need to concentrate on me, and me had some issues. We all have issues, but me had some issues, and they definitely would spring up from time to time. It wasn't that I was ignoring them, but I didn't need to concentrate on them because I had this one job that I was working at but kind of hated and, and uh, needed to get through the day just to get off of work and go start my real passions. And for 17 years, I did all those things, the sketch comedy, the stand-up comedy, the writing, the podcasting, etc., etc. Then suddenly, out of left field, I wasn't planning for it. I get a job producing for screen junkies and that's it i can quit leave my day job after 17 years and take this risk and take this new adventure and let's see if it works out let's see where it takes me and lo and behold i get these two weeks off i was not expecting this and it's not even about the two weeks off now now it's about the other time because now sometimes when i leave work i'm not on call anymore yeah, emails and phone calls and texts or tweets might come in, but I'm not on call. There's not going to be an emergency. And during that other time, like I was starting to say, if if I had a week vacation, I was always tense and anxious because I was waiting for that one call that was going to pull me out of the vacation and put me into work mode or, or maybe even send me back to work. I was at Comic-Con one year covering uh, Comic-Con with the Schmoes, and I had to deal with a very serious um, employee issue and injury uh, all through that weekend. So wasn't really fully on vacation, enjoying Comic-Con, doing my passions and blah, blah, blah. I was actually working. So to not have that, to not have that for two weeks over the holidays, to not have that when I go home, I got a lot more free time. It's not that my other pursuits can't be pursued, but now I'm in my career and in my industry. Full bore. I do my podcasting here on Force Center and AppSec Files on the side, but even then, when that's done, I have a lot more free time. Then for these two weeks, I had nothing but free time. I could have done anything I wanted. I could have stayed in bed for two straight weeks. I could have stayed home in my hometown for two straight weeks. I stayed for about five days. Could have gone anywhere. And it messed with my mind. And I discovered that I am my work, that when you say, hey, this is Ken, I'd like to meet Ken, who's Ken? Well, he podcasts, he's a producer, he used to write, he used to be a stand-up comic. I am my work. I don't know who I am without my work. 
mind blown. It has affected me. It's not necessarily a bad thing, mind you. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying not to be depressive or, or down in the dumps on this. I'm trying to share with you my journey. Maybe this will help you find your true identity. I don't even know what those words mean. Sounds like some mumbo-jumbo that Han Solo wouldn't believe in. Until later. And it's later for me. What is my identity? My friend Roger Craig Smith, the great voiceover talent, uh, has two residences. One in California, one outside of California. He spends a lot of time outside of California at this other uh, other residence um, because the people there are, quote, more real. Now, we both enjoy living in California, but there's real people here in Los Angeles, real people in Hollywood. But it's a go, go, go industry, and that's what it is sometimes. If you watch Swingers and Hi, Who Are You? What Do You Drive? Uh, that scene in the beginning, that's somewhat real, both men and women. But it's also about not who you are, it's about what you do. And so Roger goes to this other residence, and it's about who you are. It's not, hi, I'm Roger Craig Smith, voiceover artist, like he is in L.A. It's, hi, I'm Roger. Uh, I like to hike. I like to bike ride. So I don't know that, because, hi, I'm Ken. What do you like to do? Well, I like to work. I like to broadcast. I like to open up a microphone and press record. I like to write. I like to perform. I like to create. What do you do when you're not doing that? Well, I like to write. I like to create. I like to open up a microphone and record. I don't know who I am. I like to, I like to go to the gym. Is that a thing? Is that who I am? No. I like to eat ice cream. Is that a thing? Possibly. But no. I don't know who I am. But you have two weeks to sit by yourself, even with people around you, which is possible. I don't know who I am. It's the first thing I learned about not working. Second, and it's dangerous. I always talk about forward momentum, working hard, and I believe in all that. And that's not going to go away. I've kind of come to grips with the fact that I'm a bit of a workaholic. That's probably not going to go away. It's what I do in that downtime especially the increasing amount of downtime, that's the key. And number thing, number two thing I learned about, by not working is I easily slide into depression. My old friend depression. That friend I sometimes seem content to keep around even though it destroys me. When you're sitting around staring at the ceiling going, who are you? Depression comes around and goes, you're no one. And I don't mean that in an Arya Stark or Ray from Force Awakens way. I mean the depression comes around and goes, you're nobody. You are nothing but your work. You're low. You're scum. You're nothing. You're nothing, kid. And I find without work, I slide easier into that. So what does that cause me to do? Cause me to work more. There was a point recently I laid down to take a nap. I, I haven't had a chance to take a nap in a long time, maybe 14 years, I used to come home from work at 2.30 in the afternoon and take a scheduled nap because I used to have to get up at 5 a.m. from my job for a while. Uh, and then I'd have to go out late to do stand-up comedy. So, all right, that's the last time I used to regularly take a nap. And I enjoy a good nap. Occasionally one will slip through. But on this two-week period off, feeling it, I was feeling like I needed to work. I was feeling like I needed to do something. I was getting anxious. My fingers were itching. I was looking at my microphone. I was looking at pads of paper. Well, it's been a while since I've tried to write anything. Maybe I should write a sketch or something. I haven't written a sketch in like 10 years. So I told myself, slow down there, cowboy. 
get on your bed, you're a little tired, you yawned, you're anxious, you're nervous, you're, you're overwhelmed by the big thoughts in life, take a nap. So I said to myself, that's what we're going to do. Yes, great idea, let's take a nap. By the time that nap ended, I had recorded two more podcasts. Not my sleep, of course, but I got up, recorded two short little podcasts, and laid back down to finish the nap, which lasted about five minutes. And when that happens, when, when you find that you need to be buried in work and you can't turn off and take a moment with yourself, if you're afraid of the quiet moments with yourself, the depression slips back in if you're, if you're of that ilk. Some of you aren't of that ilk, and God bless you. Some of those like me, oh my, the depression. I heard Rob Reiner once describing the creative process to uh, create When Harry Met Sally. He, uh, he said, depression is my friend. I like my friend. Sometimes I just want my friend around. That's what a lot of people don't fully understand about depression. It is rather comforting to be depressed. It's easy to be depressed. What should I do today? Nothing. You're horrible. You're depressed. It is hard to choose going forward. It is hard to choose to change. So for me, I've discovered without a job to hide behind, I'm depressed. I'm a little bit of afraid of myself, of my capabilities, of my potentials. And, and work isn't Work's a good thing. I'm always going to work hard. I'm always going to try to be the best at what I do. But work isn't the only thing. There's sunshine and puppy dogs. There's love and good times out there. Not that I don't have them. Don't get me wrong. Part of me being busy is I do go out from time to time. I do have to schedule that stuff in. But when I'm at those parties, uh, my identity is the guy from work. I'm at a party and I meet you. I don't know what to say. Hi, I'm so-and-so. What's your name? I'm Ken. I work. It's scary. So the depression slides in. And I gotta find that balance. I gotta find that balance because I... I'm, there's no getting around it. I have more free time now. I've gotta work through it. I gotta fight off that depression more than I used to. And that's why a lot of people are who know me, actual real friends, not just the social media friends, they're so excited that I got this career change. And believe you me, it is overall great and fantastic. But a lot of people ask me, oh, you must be, you must be wonderful. How are you doing? Oh, this is great news. Your dreams have come true. And I always answer, uh, eh, things are all right. And it's hard to explain. Well, you have an amazing job. You travel. You got to go to Chicago, New York, New Orleans. You got to meet wonderful, creative, uh, sometimes famous people. Like you're doing what you wanted to do for 17 years. Yes, I am, and it's fun and it's exciting. But now it's created a lot more downtime that I'm just left to my own devices. The example I keep giving, and it's an odd example. If you're familiar with the movie As Good as It Gets, 1998, right? Jack Nicholson. Greg Kinnear, Helen Hunt. There's a great moment and an arc in Helen Hunt's character who's been plagued with her a single mother who has a... a, a I, don't get me wrong, I just said single motherhood is not a plague. You know what I mean. 
she has a uh, her young son who's who's ill. He's oh, he's sick. He's got like an asthmatic situation. And uh, her whole life has been that. And she's single and she's not good at dating, but she doesn't need to be. She doesn't need. She's a waitress far too long. She doesn't need to be anything else because she's she's about her son. Her identity is taking care of her son. And then at one point in the movie, her son gets better. Her son is no longer an issue. So what's left is her. She can't hide from her anymore. She can't run from those issues, so she breaks down. It's one of my favorite moments in the scene. It's one of my favorite movies. And that's where I kind of feel I'm at. For 17 years, I didn't need to worry about, should I get married? Should I get in a relationship? Should I do this? What should I do? Should I blah, blah, blah? It didn't matter because for 17 years, I worked at a, quote, day job so that I could have capital to do my true passions. And then one day, those true passions would lead me out of the day job and everything would be all right. Well, that has happened. And now what's left is me, just me, a real person who doesn't quite know who he is. It's daunting. It's overwhelming, which is the number one thing I've learned by not working, by taking that time off and having more free time. The number one thing I learned is I'm not sure where to go from here. But I say that in a positive sense. And I say that to you out there, wherever you are in life. If you hit bottom, and I'm not at bottom, emotionally I am a little bit. But if you've hit bottom, you got nowhere to go that up. That sounds cliche, sounds like a bumper sticker, but it's the truth, and you should celebrate that. And when I say I don't know where to go from here, it just means I know I got to go, and I know I'm going to get there. I just right right now don't know how. And I'm still going to have free time. I'm still going to have some holidays off that I haven't had for 17 years. And I'm still going to have to spend a lot more time looking in the mirror and saying, you are more than just your job. What are you? Who are you? And how are you going to get there? And not knowing how to get there and not knowing where to go from here is actually a good thing because it's me saying we definitely need to go that way and I definitely need to figure out how and I think I will so that is the three things for this day and this week on the Knapsack Files we'll try to get back to doing this more regularly as always you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Knapsack this show is a part of the Knapsack Files podcast feed we just did a wonderful episode last week with my friend Jay Arrett at Jay on Demand on Twitter where we paid tribute to David Bowie and talked about the 10 most essential David Bowie albums according to Jay a David Bowie super fan and I really hope uh, if you didn't listen to that you go back and check that out. We also got an interview with Nick Mundy back in December. We got a lot of things on this channel. We also got stuff over on Force Center. Subscribe, rate, and review if you're on iTunes. This is also available on Potomatic. And they have an app, a great app. Potomatic has an app. You don't always need iTunes. 
Podomatic has an app. Download it. Uh, this show is also available on Stitcher as well. But if you're listening to that, you might already know all of that. So until next time, I'm Ken Knapsack. You can always hashtag the three things with the number three and tell me uh, three things you learned about yourself when you weren't working or three things uh, you like about uh, ice cream which might be a show that I might do later on with a guest, actually. That one might be with a guest. Stand, stand by for more of that. So, until next time, this is Ken Napsack, learning more about myself each day. And thank you for coming along on the adventure. We'll see you next time.